Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier The Cottage on the Moor Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 2 The Warning In a matter of seconds, the professor was at the foot of the hill, hurtling towards where Astrid lay unconscious. The insidious figures who'd appeared from hiding were edging their way towards the prone girl. Get back! the professor hollered at them. Get back from her! She's with me! As she approached them, she could see that they were dressed not so much in clothes as scraps of fabric the remnants of all manner of garments stitched and tied together in a haphazard manner. One of the group, a man with a half-shaved head and an intricate tattoo covering one eye socket, had almost reached Astrid. He grinned menacingly as the professor approached. "'You will not touch her,' said the professor in a calm but stern tone. "'She is my friend, and she is in need of help.' The man cocked his head and narrowed his eyes. His breathing sounded like a hiss through clenched teeth. He took a steady, determined step forwards. Stay back, the professor ordered. He responded in a language she had never heard before. On her travels in her own time, she'd picked up a reasonable grasp of many different dialects, even those she could not speak herself were identifiable by their cadence and rhythm. But this was something new, guttural and harsh. The professor lifted her arms slowly, hoping the gesture would encourage the group to remain calm and demonstrate that she was unarmed. The man beside Astrid continued to advance, and so she brought up one arm across her chest, indicating she would strike if provoked. Her body language needed no translation, and neither did the man's gurgling laugh, which the others began to echo. He made a deliberately quick move towards Astrid's body, lunging as though to grab her, Immediately, the professor leapt forwards and he straightened up, swinging an arm to catch her across the face. She ducked the blow, grabbed him around the waist, pivoted, and threw him to the ground. He rolled, but quickly righted himself, his compatriots cheering and jeering at the sight of he and the professor circling one another. The man said something in his native tongue, and the others responded, repeating the last few syllables and cheering all the more. The professor made a quick assessment of their positions, should they make to join the attack. Then the man made his next move by diving to tackle her. She dodged too late, and they tumbled across the soft ground. He tried to pin her arms down, only to be sent reeling by a kick to the stomach. The professor got to her feet, but another of the gang was immediately on her back, arms tight around her neck. She tried to spin to throw them off, but their grip was solid. The first attacker ran at her, but she managed to trip him. The rest of the crowd cheered again. This was sport. Suddenly there came the thud of a heavy blow, and the man who had begun the assault skidded across the ground in front of the professor, who was still arched over. A second impact forced the arms around her neck to give way. She managed to shrug off the attacker, and span around to see a woman with a facial tattoo similar to that of her fellow assailant clutching the back of her neck where she'd been hit. Looking up, the professor saw an elderly man with unruly white hair dressed in a long, grubby raincoat and tough knee-length boots. He was brandishing a heavy club, 
which she guessed doubled as a walking stick and weapon to see off the attackers. He said something to her, but once again she could not make out the language. She staggered over to Astrid as the man, powerful beyond the ears his appearance would suggest, swung the club at another of the mob. They snarled and made to charge him, but he drew from his coat another weapon, something like a handgun, only forged of a shining white material. Immediately the group backed off. The elderly man raised the device and fired it into the air. No bullet came from its barrel, but rather a bolt of crackling energy, which gathered across its surface before blasting into the sky. Some of the gang ran immediately. Others hesitated and looked to their compatriot who had first attacked the professor. He growled, spat words at the elderly man and then retreated. The professor watched as they appeared to melt into the landscape once again, camouflaged by the rough beauty of the moor. She turned her attention back to Astrid, whom the elderly man was now also crouched beside. The professor checked for a pulse and was relieved to find one, though it was more rapid than was expected. She placed a hand on her friend's forehead and noticed a worrying temperature. Some kind of fever, perhaps. Astrid? Astrid, can you hear me? The elderly man began to speak, and the professor noticed an expression of disbelief on his face. He looked shocked at the sight of the young girl unconscious before him. He turned to the professor, taking her shoulders in his hands, and gabbled a series of questions at her. I'm so sorry, she interjected. Immediately she began to sign her words, in the hope it might cross the language barrier. I am a traveller, recently arrived. I'm afraid I do not speak your language. The man's brow furrowed. He raised an arm as though to grab her and she flinched, but then stopped and allowed him to gently take hold of her face and turn her head. His bitterly cold hands brushed her brown hair away from her ear and he paused, examining it. After a moment he let go and frowned again. He looked away and began to search for something in his coat pockets. The professor looked back to Astrid and placed a hand on her cheek. Don't worry, dear heart. We'll soon have you... Ah! She flinched and grabbed her ear. The man had pressed something into it. For a moment her hearing was muffled, and then she felt a stinging sensation shooting through her head and down to her throat. She coughed, then took a deep breath, one hand on her ear and another at her neck. The old man was examining one of Astrid's ears and muttering. The professor was about to intervene when suddenly she heard him. Pays to keep a few spares. What? What, what did you say? <laughs> Working then, he grunted, and took from his pocket a tiny length of tube. It was scarcely wider than a pencil and barely half an inch long. He pushed it into Astrid's ear and the professor began to guess at once what it was. Some sort of two-way translation device, she breathed, and the man turned to her. Where did you find her? She had expected some further explanation for how the tiny piece of equipment now lodged in her ear could be converting his words into one she understood so deftly, but quickly recalibrated her thoughts and glanced at Astrid. She's my friend. She travelled here with me. I'm not sure what's happened. Friend? How did you... Where? Where did you meet her? The professor was puzzled by the question, but he seemed reliant upon an answer. A long time before now, she replied. We met in London. A look of incredulous confusion fell across the man's features. I'm so sorry, the professor continued. I haven't even thanked you for saving me from those, um... Scavengers, the man spat. 
Come round here every few spans looking for food. Be grateful you weren't it. We need to get her inside. He scooped Astrid up in his arms and looked closely at her face. I have a few medical supplies back at my, uh, my transport, said the professor, but the man was already moving away. She began to follow. I can run back there and... No point, he grunted. We've a full kit back at the cottage. The professor recalled the little stone building she'd seen in the valley. Yes, of course, she replied. Are you sure you can manage her? I don't mind. She's no weight, he interrupted once again, but with a genuine and tender tone. By now they were ascending the hill, and the professor looked up at the darkening sky. Thoughts of the stars returned to her. If you don't mind, I'll just detour back to my transport and grab a few things. I've seen the cottage. I'll catch you up. Aye, he said without stopping. I must apologise again. I've not asked your name. He wasn't listening. She slowed and scanned back to where the attack had taken place. She looked to the elderly man carrying Astrid, then moved with haste back towards the trees where they had arrived. Wasting no time, she dropped to her knees beside the time machine and pulled the top of the marble platform up, revealing a storage compartment beneath. She rummaged around and extracted a large roll of thick parchment, which she placed to one side before laying hands on a wooden box. Opening it, she took out a dagger, a token of a previous exploration in time. She tucked it into her belt, closed the storage compartment, took up the roll of paper and got to her feet. What an extraordinary object, said a woman's voice somewhere behind her. She span on the spot, reaching for the knife, but paused. Before her stood a tall woman with long blonde hair dragged into a bun. She was dressed not unlike the elderly man, rough, weather-beaten clothes practical for the terrain. A thick coat covered some kind of dark tunic, and a pair of warm trousers were tucked into long, muddy boots. "'Who are you?' asked the professor. "'Please,' she replied with haste. "'There's no need for that knife of yours. I've not come to harm you. I saw what happened in the dell.' Saw, but thought better than to intervene, the professor noted with suspicion. The woman's gaze fell to the ground. We've all of us had encounters with the scavengers, she said. I trust you're unharmed? Indeed, the professor replied. What brings you out here at so late an hour? I live across the ridge on the far side of the valley. I was out taking samples of lichen at the edge of the dell. I just happened across you and saw... Your friend, the girl, is she... In need of some help, the professor cut in. I really must catch her up, so if you don't mind... She's not safe, said the woman with a tremor in her voice. The old man. I saw you with him. I know he helped you, but if he's taken her to the house... The professor didn't wait for whatever words were to follow. Without a thought, she drew the dagger from her belt and ran towards the valley. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, The Cottage on the Moor, an Unbound Theatre production, written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs>